Hello and welcome to the Court of Alex podcast. I'm Muse, and uh, I was actually disappointed with Marvel this week, so that's a first in a while. And I'm here with Joe. Hello. And V. Hi. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so you can skip over those titles if you're something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. We have kind of the usual comics for us, so let's just hop right into it and start out with the man in Gotham, Batman. (gasps) Yeah! Okay. Last week on Batman, Joker (laughs) stole Bruce Wayne's billions, shot Catwoman, and threw Harley Quinn in the sewer. Also, Slade stabbed Bruce through the lake. We can see in um, 94 that Lucius is helping Bruce get a magical thing on his leg to help him function, even though he was stabbed through the leg with a sword. He's just like, yeah, I can walk on it. And Lucius is like, no, you can't. (laughs) You're probably bleeding internally. He's like, if I don't feel it, you know why? (laughs) Because I'm Batman. (laughs) And um, then, so Catwoman... We know that she got shot, but of course she isn't dead because she has plot armor. Basically, Lucius's daughter is a nurse, so he has her take Catwoman to Mercy. Was it Gotham Mercy? Yep. If she's the same daughter that was in preboot, I don't know. I thought she existed, and then someone convinced me that she didn't, and I, it was all in my brain. They it's may exciting. have just been talking about like New Fifty Two. Goodness. Well, anyways, he has a daughter. Thanks, Tinian, and she <laughs> is taking Catwoman to the hospital. She's gotten Catwoman out of her costume. She has a false name to protect Bruce. And we get to see that the person drawing her is Gillum March. Mm. My nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) He has been gone for a while. And by a while, I mean only like three issues because of the hiatus. I miss Jorge. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I think we all miss Jorge. Yeah, but he's coming back. He's been hyping up Harley. He's working on Joker War right now. Joker War is coming, and I think it's going to be a Batman and Harley Quinn buddy team up. Yeah, a lot better than the animated movie that came out. But not as good as Batman the Animated Adventures, I bet. Because nothing can top their dynamic. It was so chaotic. I love it. So I just want to call out David Barron on color, because the colors are actively fighting Gilla March. Basically, they're like a really smooth coloring. So when he draws horrifying, heavy wrinkles in Catwoman's face, they're not shaded like they're wrinkles. So it just looks like someone just drew on her with like a Sharpie. And there are wrinkles where nobody could have wrinkles. Like that space in between, like around the bridge of the nose. The point is, he drew her face real ugly. It made me sad. Also, she's wearing very skimpy underwear. And at some point, he does get her all the way out of her clothes so that she's only wearing her underwear. I mean, if she wears regular underwear, it's going to be seen through the leather. It has to be a thong or nothing. And a a push-up bra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got to wear a thong and a push-up bra. Also, Cheshire's in this, and I was like, oh, he drew her from a distance. There's no way he could draw her skeevy. Nope, we still see the cracks of her crotch. (laughs) She's just wearing a very thin loincloth over herself. Yep, there it is. <laughs> ah, everyone's a Victoria's Secret 
model if you're <laughs> if you're Gillen March. I just had to make that call out so I could get it out of my system. <laughs> it's one of the negatives of this issue if you are a woman and you appreciate faces because also like some of the men's faces are kind of jacked up. Yeah. Just to sum up basically what happens. Batman being saved by Lucius. Lucius has a heart to heart with him. He's like, "Look, I'm not Alfred. I'm not going to come save you. You're on your own. I'm going to take care of Wayne Enterprises because that's my baby. So I'm going to be over there. Also, you're not the owner anymore. And you are also a fugitive because the media, as we all know, is owned by the elites. They print whatever anyone pays them to print. Thanks, Clark. And (laughs) I just got a terrible look. (laughs) So... Basically, Joker's paid off all the news stations, and they're all printing the stories that he is telling them to print. Probably through another person, you Mm. know. But basically, they're all saying, okay, Bruce Wayne is a fugitive from the law. He embezzled all this money. So anyone connected to Bruce is going to be in trouble now. Bruce is like, okay, you know what? Fine, Lucius, do your thing. I'm going to run off and talk to Catwoman. So he takes Lucius' phone, he talks to Catwoman. They have a very mature conversation. Because if you remember how they teased this episode where they were like, is there trouble in paradise? Are they going to break up? Here's a panel of Catwoman ugly crying. Is this the end of Bad Cat? He's like, woman, I will (laughs) never leave you. I love you so much. Let's fight this together when you're better. And she's like, I messed up. And he's like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) With that conversation... Can we please gag a bit with the fact that Tom King's bat cat thing has remained? But can we crack up at the fact Selena's like, you haven't called me that in a minute? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So, like. Why haven't you been calling me that? <laughs> and the whole thing, like, him, like, all of a sudden be like, I'm not leaving you. We're going to work through this together. It's you and me. It's like he's been written by someone entirely different. Where was the sad, depressed loner from before? It's like someone actually cares about their character development and their relationship enough to actually give them full sentences <laughs> and emotion. She doesn't meow once. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> also... So Batman says to Catwoman, if you forgive me, we'll face what comes next together. Wait for me, Selina. I'll be with you soon. Then he punches the window (laughs) and he just screams, (laughs) raw. I still don't know how I feel about Lucius. He's like... He's kind of a liar. Well, he basically told Bruce, he's like, listen, I'm not Alfred. I don't know how that man was able to deal with this every single night, stitching you back together so you can go out and hurt yourself again. I'm not that strong. You didn't hire me for this. Yeah, pay that man more. (laughs) Slade has a moment where he looks at Gotham. He's like, look at all these people. They're all going to be dead soon. Let's get out of here. And Batman goes to rescue Catwoman because he's like, we can't leave her at the hospital. Joker will take her. So he goes and she's gone. Lucius Fox daughter walks in and she's like, I left for a minute. She jumped out the window. And he's like, I don't know about that. So then, of course, they get attacked by Joker's people. They're holding up a phone with Joker on the other end. And I gotta say, like, Gillenmarch's layouts are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But he does have Punchline in it. And she's giving these lines. You know, there's a way to read them. It's kind of mild. One of the lines she says is, like, I'm getting jealous. And the next one is, okay, yeah, I can live with that. 
but she's screaming in the panels. So it's more like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I can deal with that. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense in this context. Why are you yelling? So basically the Joker threatens him a little bit. He says, look, we kidnapped Lucius. So, so much for that plan, Lucius. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to distance myself from you. But no, he's totally in it now. He's a hostage. Batman escapes to a bunch of people shooting at him. I just want to know what phone service they all use to <laughs> always have that constant connection, especially in a hospital. <laughs> Planning. <laughs> it's probably fine. Gotham looks like it's from the 1920s, but they probably are pretty advanced <laughs> as far as like communication goes, since it's kind of uh, a priority. Well, I mean, precinct has cell phones and typewriters being used at the same time in Gotham, so... <laughs> I mean, it's the same in Portland, let's be real. Oh, so all Gothamites are hipsters. That's what you're saying. I mean... I will give a little tiny sparkle to Gillian March because I do like that panel with Joker where he's like, I've got a design for Gotham and in his eyes you do see like a skyline, but it's really faint. Mm -hmm. I, I get yeah. what he was trying to think of, like him looking at the city, but like you could have made it really cool with actually like showing more of his eyes. It's also like, interesting eh. because he draws Joker differently in every issue. Right, he does. Yeah. And he also draws people differently from panel to panel. This so is true. He just has proportion issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, can we talk about Catwoman waking up? So she wakes up. <laughs> And she's been kidnapped by... Can you guess, Muse, who she's been kidnapped by? <laughs> okay, so you read ahead. Because there was no way you could have been like, yeah, I bet the penguin kidnapped her. Because I definitely did not. <laughs> I was just like, what is that? Can we also talk about the first panel? She's saying bat, and then she corrects herself. She's like, no, it's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> she does do that. And she jumps up screaming. Uh. And her body is messed oh, up but yep. look at her fingers look at how short her, her nubby... left one yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? that's that's not right that's See, if you not don't know how, how to draw hands, hands just don't draw them like that hand could have been hiding but also her belly button is right under her rib cage there's a huge her space neck? where her belly button should be but he did not draw it there that's upsetting her neck is strange he made sure the boobs were fine, though. The boobs are perfect. Good job, man. <laughs> but I'm not going to give him any props for that. You have to be able to draw faces. and uh, That's horrible. Some anime nonsense going on there with her eyes yeah. parting to the side. Her mouth just... Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway for me. Yeah, she looks like a, a grouper with her mouth all open. Like, <laughs> I did like the writing, though. I like the penguin is just casually, like, catching up with her. He's quizzing her for information. She's giving it to him readily. And he's just like, great, thank you. That's what I wanted. That's why I brought you here. You are in the cool room. Which I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, where's Mr. Freeze? We need to get his take on this. Basically, it's a gorgeous ice mansion with a bunch of really unstable villains hanging out there <laughs> and uh, penguin's just cool with it he's like welcome home we're staying here it's basically a very fancy bunker she's like i have to get back to batman he's like nope 
because we are locked down. <laughs> so he does what Lucius could never do. <laughs> he like grounds her. She is out of the fight. He's still injured too. If you look, he's still got yeah. the neck brace on. Yeah, him. he's got his neck brace, but he is cool as a cucumber. Yeah, he's in the cool room. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who are the villains in the cool room. Like, obviously, we have Scarecrow and Mad Hatter. You have both Fireflies, Professor Pig, Killer Croc, and that guy with the mask over him, like Daredevil, Who's is that, that banker from the last issue, the the underbroker. Okay, that's who it is. Okay. Yeah, they just made his mask red instead of silver, like the last issue. Well, I think also because Penguin has seen what the designer has planned, he's been ready to just kind of sit this one out. Yep. He's got it all down. He's like, we know what's coming. We know we are not going to want to be in the middle of that. So rather than fight it or join Batman in some hokey everyone against Joker sort of thing, they're like, we're just going to take ourselves out of the equation and lay low for an entire summer. Yeah. If I could pick who I stuck in a bunker, it would not be these people. No. Most of these people are really into controlling other people's psyches. (laughs) I mean, like, Killer Croc, okay. Firefly, like, why would you bring any Firefly (laughs) to a place made out of ice? Exactly. And he's burning one of those sculptures down for for funsies. He's already destroying the place. (laughs) Like, it's a terrible choice. Underbroker, sure. Killer Croc, fine. But, like, Scarecrow... Just try to have him calm down and not, like, control people. <laughs> Mad Hatter, S- same he can't thing. stop it. <laughs> <Just> yeah. <laughs> Professor Pig, this man cannot be around other humans. And yet he is happily drinking a martini while Firefly is roasting the place. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's a mess. There's definitely a bunch of other villains that we don't see. Maybe. And plus, like... Unless the cool room follows the same rules as the Iceberg Lounge, where it's kind of like Switzerland. Mm-hmm. It's neutral territory, so they know better. I know, but it's a whole summer. Like, can they yeah. control their maniacal urges? Absolutely not. They're not like Central City rogues. Yeah. No. There's definitely going to be some fights breaking out. They need to get some of their craziness out, and they're going to insult each other. I'm calling it right now that Joker has a guy on the inside. You think so? I feel like he does. He's had his hand in every single issue so far, well, one way or another. If he does, who would he? I would say the Underbroker. I mean, yeah, the Underbroker's already betrayed mm-hmm. Catwoman, but he also felt like he had no choice. So basically, I think it might behoove Tinian to pull Catwoman back into the fray, but I think it's good to ground her for a little bit so that we can focus on mm-hmm. other characters and other dynamics. Because, mm-hmm. let's face it, Catwoman and Batman have been a little clingy lately, and they haven't been letting anyone else in. And we don't need no. a honeymoon 24-7. We need other yeah. friends. Well, we know that next issue of Batman, we are finally getting the team up everyone has been waiting for, which is the return of Dick Grayson Nightwing. Everyone has been waiting for since Batman, what was it, 55? Since he got <laughs> shot? Yeah, poor thing. He's been through too much. But is Catwoman technically involved in the event or no? Her title no, is because... Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Catwoman is trying to convince Penguin to, like, 
All right, buddy, we need to get out and go help the bats. There's nothing left of this city. I can see that. Once he's done with them. It's going to be like at the very end, after she's rallied all the rogues and being like, get our city back. <laughs> it would be fun to see all the villains joining in the 11th hour. You see it in a, yeah. all like the animated movies and stuff. I mean, yeah, but they're done to varying degrees of success. Yeah. So it really could go either way. It the, could be too much or it could be like a well, fun Last time. I saw was the Lego Batman movie. Now that was too much. <laughs> that was a little much. But yeah, so whatever he does, like I'm liking where the players are. I really do not like how Gil and March handled this story. I feel like it took away from a lot of the writing. Yeah. I also hated the final <laughs> yeah. when, with Batman. He's been talking to Alfred for a while. I forgot the intro was like him drawing the cities and talking about Alfred and how Alfred always believed in him. But how he's trying to connect him to the designer, how he kind of mm -hmm. saw the future of Gotham and he knew he had to leap forward. He had to become better and stronger to win. And he's like, I'm going to become a better bat. Here I go. And then like the last <laughs> frame, it's just smoke creating a bat signal with lightning behind him. But the smoke looks like it's made out of hair. Yeah. It's mm. kind of gross looking, whatever it is. It looks like black spaghetti. It looks like something I'd find in the drain. Mm -hmm. So he, he does some little hairballs making a bat design behind Batman. I would have preferred it to just be the bat signal. I feel like yeah. that would have been better. Yeah. And then there's a blimp in the back. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have Gotham City without a blimp. <laughs> so that's basically it. It was a pretty short issue. I know we dragged it out, but I had to talk about Catwoman's missing belly button. And I had to talk about Batman punching glass. And, uh, and Lucius turning down the offer of having a billionaire adopted son. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, look, I have my own kids. I'm not into this. So what would you rate Batman? I can't rate this. Like, it's in the middle. It's a hallway in a house. Well, I cannot say. When cause... I have one that's in the middle, I usually give it a middle rating of a 5 out of 10. Wow, that was so condescending. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even respond to that. I don't blame V because the writing's definitely really good, but then it, it's no different than the Jeff Johns like Catwoman story in the 80th. It was a good, solid story, but the art was so bad, it just starts to detract from it. It's kind of like it's going somewhere. It's a episode one of any Star Wars franchise. <laughs> it's going somewhere, and. Mm -hmm. What comes next could either make or retroactively destroy all of yeah, this. Yeah, you could tell it's a build-up episode, but yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I feel like I am getting more enticed by Tinian's writing. I'm getting a little bit more used to his style of writing. It did feel a bit wordy. It's Batman monologued a little bit too long, I feel like. And it was such a simple concept, but it's like he doesn't trust us to get it. And so there's a lot of navel-gazing in the writing. I just... feel like you could have done without the Alfred monologue. I get the Alfred monologue. Yeah. But I think the Alfred monologue could have been simpler. It could have been shorter. Mm -hmm. I feel like we would have understood the callback without him just bunching up all these words. It's why the words are so tiny. It's why you can't <laughs> read them. Because there's just too many, and Gila March is just struggling yeah. to like, match images to all the words. He gets that from Scott Snyder, though, because Scott Snyder can also be wordy, but the difference is that Tinian puts it into a monologue where Snyder 
puts it in just a narration. Uh, oh. But it's so weird because that's kind of how Tinian has been, even in Justice League Dark and throughout most of his Batman run. But you get things like his Green Lantern. Yeah, with Alan Scott. There was some monologuing, but most of it was very much, he was very reliant on the artist to get across what he was trying to narrate through the story. So I guess there might also be, he might not feel as confident relying on the artist in that regard. And then even in, even in wind, barely even wordy. It's like really weird. Like you would not have expected this to come out of Tinian. It makes sense if you have an artist who is either younger or maybe doesn't portray the characters and the actions as accurately as you would desire in your story. Mm you give them additional direction. I would prefer they give the direction through like direction as opposed to like through the dialogue. But there does seem to be a lot of like trying to set the tone with a lot of words. Yeah. It's not Grant Morrison level yet. <laughs> it's I hope it never gets to that level. <laughs> so, we have some more ranting to do. And it's not by me because <laughs> I no, didn't review a Bendis title this week. You're welcome, America. <laughs> And I didn't review a Bendis title. I reviewed Empire Number Zero, the Fantastic Four. This is, of course, written by Dan Slott, who is an ongoing writer for the Fantastic Four series, and the artist is R.B. Silva. We have three different perspectives, it seems like, maybe a fourth, going into the Empire event. There's definitely the Avengers side of things, the Fantastic Four side of things, and whatever the heck is going on with the Kree Scroll Armada. Last week we got the Avengers, and this week we're getting Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Four get stuck on some kind of planet moon thing. Their ship has run out of gas, and they waylay someone to help them and find out that uh, credits no longer exist anymore in this out in space because of something has happened to the economy. So bartering is back into a thing. So they barter to get dragged off to some cosmic casino that is putting on reenactments of the Kree scroll fights. And people are betting on them, on is the scroll or the Kree fighter going to win. And this is all run by a brand new character, and her name is the Profiteer. And you find out she's actually the Grandmaster's sister, which is actually kind of interesting. I kind of enjoy her character a little bit. She was very over the top. Definitely did not like her brother at all. He kind of left her this space casino because it was just like a game to him because he's the grandmaster. He just has fun with things. And she's like, and I turn it into a business. I'm like, okay, keep <laughs> me lady. You're going to show up later. You're kind of cool. Well, the adults are trying to get money to fix their ship. Franklin and Valeria, they decide to sneak into the casino and they trick a guard into thinking they're much older than they are. Because Valeria's like, I'm an omega-level intellect. I'll be able to win these games easy. And she loses all their money, which is kind of cute. And I think she is just kind of showing, like, how overconfident she is. Sue finds out that, like, her kids are just running around the casino. They've lost the money. And she kind of uses it to her their advantage to kind of get a leg up on the profiteer because she's been doing some very underhanded things. So... Sue cheats by turning invisible and rigs everything, (laughs) which is great. They're like, Mom, you're here. And she's like, yeah, and you're totally all grounded when we get back. But we're going to win this. And they're like, yay. And she's like, act surprised. And they're like, woo, we somehow won when there's like a 0.011% chance of winning. Oh, no. Totally wasn't invisible lady helping us. 
which is kind of cute. But most of the stuff I didn't like with this had to do with their battle arena that was going on. Johnny's like, I'm gonna try and get Ben to go into the fighting arena to make money. So they're sitting and watching these these fights, and they find out that the Kree and the Skrull that they have fighting, they're children. Oh no. Oh. Like, younger than Damien age children, fighting to the death. Like, you see them in the beginning fight, and the girl gets severely injured. Her neck slit open. She's just sending these children out here over and over again. Like, that's the thing. She'll take them out and go send them to, like, the infirmary to go fix back up, and then as soon as they're ready, she sends them back out again. She's like, I own these kids, and they're my entertainment, and they're gonna make me money. Oh, that's creepy. So she turned all granny goodness. Yeah. Yeah, kind of granny goodnessy, and I'm like, why? I understand if you're like, okay, if adults are fighting, they're less malleable to change their opinion, but you don't have to make them actual children. Like, if you had them, like, teenagers, okay, that still sucks, but, like, they're babies. Oh, uh, I didn't like it. I was like, no, why are you doing this? Does the Fantastic Four save these kids, or do they leave them there? They do save the kids. So they, like, rescue slash adopt the kids by the end of it. What? What? Yeah, they, like, bring them on their ship afterwards, and they say very, like, harsh words to each other. If you do anything wrong, like, I'm gonna kill you. And Ben's like, aww, they're just being cute. And you're like, they were literally trying to kill each other only hours ago, and this has been most of their life, has been trying to slaughter one another. Are any of you trained therapists? Because it's gonna be a long road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Just picture, like, whose idea it was to adopt the children, because Reed would be like, we already have Franklin, Valeria, and if you want to count Johnny, there is no way we are also adopting all of these <laughs> alien children. <laughs> uh, you think he would be able to, like, be present in his family long enough to say that that's what i mean <laughs> he's having a hard time stretching himself to the three kids already <laughs> i see what you did there thank you so they, they rescue the kids and that's kind of the end of the issue another big problem i had with this was it's supposed to be an empire prologue very similar to the avengers one and i might have gotten my hopes up with the avengers one because it really set the tone for what the Avengers side of the story is going to be. This one barely had anything to do with um, Empire Event. And they kind of mention previously like, oh yeah, the Kree Scroll War, we, we helped stop it for like a couple hours <laughs> at Google and Medusa's wedding. We tricked them into uh, getting along for like a couple of hours. So there is a small peace treaty, which they reenact with the kids which is what gets them to stop. And that's most of the mention to anything. Apparently the economy going to shit and credits being worth nothing is because of the Cree scroll Alliance. I don't know how that would cause the economy to just literally tank. I mean, unless they're just trying to form a new currency, kind of like the Maybe. European Union, where it's like, oh, we're going to start using euros now. So whatever you were using before doesn't work anymore. But they're like, the new system, we've gone back to bartering, is what the space pirate guy said. Oh. And you're like, how can economy tank so badly that credits are just gone now? And that you're back to bartering? I can understand, <laughs> like, two giant empires coming together could definitely mess up your space economy. But not enough to get rid of the credit entirely. That was your hint to the fact that there is a peace between them. And also, the profiteer, she mentions... 
oh, these are all reenactments, kind of like hinting that the war has ended, very subtly, like you have to look into the words for the subtext. It's like a very thin bit of butter that is melted over toast. And you're like, is there butter on this? Like, I don't do that. That sounds like a Midwesterner thing to say. <laughs> Unrelatable. Canceled. <laughs> Your experiences are not universal. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to know that this is about empire. It's called reading the fine print. Yeah. I'm just wondering if maybe, like, the space pirates are lying. Like, what if what if they're just, like... They were just trying to loot them? Yeah, they're just like, do you got any toilet paper? <laughs> it's a barter system now. <laughs> Money's no good here. <laughs> I doubt that's going to come back, but right as they leave the space casino, Ben's like, oh, there's a bunch of red blips on our radar now, and they look... And they're being surrounded by the armada of the Kree and the Skrull. If they're at a casino, but credits aren't good anymore. She's trying to keep the economy going at her casino. She's still trying to make money. But the credits are worthless. And the rest of the economy is just bartering. I think, like, based off of what they were trying to say, she's trying to keep the economy afloat. She's trying to make it relevant still. I don't know. But it sounds like the currency is only good inside the casino. Yeah. So it's like it's only poker so chips it's then. totally Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely Vegas because then as soon as you walk out those doors, it's not good anymore. Exactly. So they trick her, they get off the casino, and they're right smack dab in the middle of the armada, most likely heading to the moon slash earth that we saw at the very end of the Avengers prologue. That is the only hint to the upcoming event. Like, I doubt the Profiteer is going to have anything to do with the upcoming event. She might have more to do with Fantastic Four. I don't care. You can still set up (laughs) stuff with your own run in your own issues, which I know there are Fantastic Four issues that are separate from the Empire miniseries that the Fantastic Four and Avengers are getting, and you can set it up there. But as a prologue, this was just weird. Like, Mm -hmm. why was this here? I got way more hype from the Avengers side of things because you were were actually showing me and having the characters remember the previous events and actually getting kind of emotional about them with how Tony was written. It was just incredible. This one was just like, okay, there was a cute campy casino time. Other than that, blah. Like, this is not worth it for an Empire crossover, might be worth it for Fantastic Four later on down the line. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to start slow, because it sounds like, you know, we have that history with Avengers. Everyone has that history with Avengers now, but because of Fantastic Four's rocky relationship to mainstream audiences, it might be necessary to kind of start small and relatable. Mm. So that might have been what he was aiming for, was something more like slice of life to try to sort of walk you into... Plus, it could have also just been one of those, like, hey, we have this event coming up. We need you to tie this into your stuff right now or help us with this because they already had to throw in the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover as well. Which is still not done. Right. There's still, like, an issue, I think, that's hovering in limbo. Uh Uh-huh. But I really didn't like it as much. I know I'm comparing it to the Avengers one. I don't really know much about Fantastic Four, but... They could have given us a little bit more, but I guess this is kind of, it is a prologue, so they don't want to hop straight into the action. It does explain why they're in the middle of their armada, and that's kind of it. 
I mean, maybe it'll pick up. Maybe the stakes will get high once they start running into... I mean, because the Fantastic Four has had such an intense relationship with the Scrolls. I don't know about the Kree, though. I don't know. Well, they did trick both of them into having a ceasefire for a time, so I'm pretty certain they don't really like them that much. Okay, so that could be interesting. That could be like, okay, now the stakes are raised. You've been introduced to each of them and their personalities. Now we're going to see all these cute little beings thrown into peril, along with a bunch of adopted children, which kind of raises the stakes a bit, even if they are murdered children. I'm interested to see how they kind of incorporate these two kids into all of this, because they're going to play a part. You brought them in for a reason in this issue. Like, don't just throw them away. I feel like Sue's going to be immediately regretting the decision, having, like... (laughs) force fields around so many of those groups of kids from killing each other oh no it's just two kids oh it's just two it was just two kids that they continuously used oh Oh. i'm thinking it's like a whole gladiatorial thing somehow that makes it worse yeah that's why like there's other fights besides them but like there was one kree boy and one scroll oh okay I, i misunderstood then they look female Scroll are weird when it comes to gender. Oh, yeah, because they can switch back and forth. Oh. They're shapeshifters. But, yeah, so you had a boy and a girl, and they constantly were fighting. Okay. And they would go to med bay, get fixed up, thrown back on the battlefield when they were, well. And they've been doing this. I thought it was multiple kids at first, based off of kind of how Mm. the writing was. And then, based off the art, they portrayed the kids very adult-like. They seemed bigger. Oh. Oh. But then all of a sudden when something happens and their cloak gets pulled off in the middle of the fight, while Johnny and Ben are watching, the cloaks get ripped off and they see their children. And they're like, okay, this isn't fun. We're not having this. They rush in and they grab the kids and pull them out. There was no other kids. Like, they didn't rescue anyone else. That is not okay. That is intense psychological Mm -hmm. trauma. And they just threw them into the middle of a conflict with the Kree and the Skrulls. Yeah! Oh, who they've never actually met. Like they, I think they were taken away from their parents at a young age because the profiteer hints at the fact that she's pretty much owned them their entire life and has pretty much brainwashed them into thinking this. Great. Well, they're yeah. not going to be agents for peace anytime soon. I think the Fantastic <laughs> Four was just a setup for the two of them, it sounds like. Maybe. I doubt we'll see them after Empire. They're probably just going to be really Empire-related and then go back home. That could be fun. That sounds like an interesting premise to me. Yeah. Even if the execution wasn't, wasn't up good. to the standard. <laughs> That's why I gave it about a 6 out of 10. It wasn't terrible, and I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt of it's, it's Fantastic Four. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be campy and cheesy. It's supposed to be like a family outing out in space. You just get in your space RV and out you go. That is the Fantastic Four from what it's I know of them. Basically, <laughs> get in the car, kids. We're going to do a road trip. Yeah, the thing's touching me. Shut up, Johnny. <laughs> like, oh, no, there's an abominable snowman. How did this happen? <laughs> I wish there was just a little bit more of a setup with Empire instead of like, oh, most of it's been spent on this space casino. Now we're stuck in the middle of the Amada. Yeah. Insane. It sounds pretty forced. Yeah. So that's Fantastic Four and Casino Shanigans. So we have one more. Joe, would you like to actually speak good about the Justice League? Sure. So this was Justice League number 48, written by Venditti, and the art is by Aaron Lopresti. 
which I am a fan of his art. I definitely remember his name from a couple different titles. I do wish Eddie Barrows just stayed on because his art was amazing. This is a brand new story arc. After receiving a distress beacon that is apparently four sectors away from the Earth, the JLA finds a ship of abandoned space children, and they end up stopping this monster, saving these kids, bringing the kids back to their planet, and the citizens of that planet deem the Justice League their new leaders. Dang. So it's oh, right in space, children. Problem. So when I saw the cover for this one, I immediately was very doubtful that I was going to enjoy it because you have the Justice League flying over these aliens and Superman telling them to kneel. But yeah, I ended up really liking this a lot. I gave it a 7 out of 10 because it wasn't perfect. Nothing is. The only thing I will say that I did not really like about this is that once they're on the planet and they're talking to these citizens, the people are trying to convince the Justice League, like, you have to lead us. We've only been under this one ruler for all of our lives. Ever since our planet was formed, we don't know what it's like to rule for ourselves. And the Justice League are like, we cannot rule you guys. And Wonder Woman especially is like, we can't be their leaders. We can't do this. And Superman is trying to tell her, but they're going to be lost. They don't know what to do. We should at least help them. So Wonder Woman says that we're going to lead them by example, not by command. And then John gives a sigh. Like, I'm sorry, John Stewart. Did you want to actually rule these aliens? <laughs> he does seem to have leadership on the brain lately. He does. I don't really like where it's going with him either. I don't know what Venditti has against Jon Stewart. He really hates him. <laughs> he just sees him as like this power maniac. It was very strange. So a couple of these things with these alien race. So they're called the Trotha. Their homeworld is a rogue comet. So it's always on the move, which is why the Green Lantern couldn't pick it up on the GL's directory of any of the alien races can never be tracked. And these Trotha have something with their physiology where at the age of 15, they have a choice of two pathways they can go. They call it the way of the cell or the way of the spark. If they choose the way of the cell, their bodies adapt to become more organic and basically just live like, you know, we would with flesh and everything. If they choose the way of the spark, they're choosing to give up their organic life and become fully cybernetic. Gross. And the rulers that have ruled over all the Trotha are both organic and cybernetic. So they walk into this embassy when they're trying to return the children. The children explain to the Justice League that they were sent away in the first place as a warning to terrorists and agitators, according to the Queen Ruler. So Justice League is like, well, that's not right. They go down there with the kids they see that the ruler is about to be executed. Wonder Woman is telling the Justice League not to intervene. Don't do this. This isn't our place. Our customs are not the same as theirs. We should just let this play out. And Superman flies in, stops the axe from swinging against the ruler's head. He's like, I can't just sit there and not do something. So instead, they convince the alien people to throw the ruler in jail and they claim the Justice League as their new rulers because they proved that somebody is more powerful than their queen. I'm sorry, I'm confused. They they were going to execute their queen? Yeah. And then they stopped the... them from executing the queen. They were like, oh my gosh, you're stronger than our queen? That we were going to execute? Yeah. So 
On their way to the planet, Batman sent a returning beacon signaling that we have the children and they're coming back home safely. They took that as a sign that there are gods out there watching over them. They don't have to stand for this hierarchy any longer. Okay, so, so then they go to a French style revolution right. on the ground. Okay. And Superman's like, we don't do executions on Earth. We've never ever done it. I, I <laughs> no, not like that. Every every chance I see someone pull out an electric chair, I'm like, no death penalty ever. Not like that. They start seeing the ruler getting dragged up the steps of the throne and Wonder Woman's like, we have to let this play out. Our ways aren't the same as theirs. And Superman goes in there, crushes the axe in his hands. He's like, hi, sorry. I know this is important to you, but hear us out. <laughs> but uh, I stand for the American way. <laughs> and uh, this isn't how we do things in America. In America, you get a fair trial. No mob but rule. Basically convince him to just throw the ruler in jail after that. I guess that's fine. But I, I'm with Wonder Woman on this. Like, You can't just go to another planet and be like, this is wrong. I know you guys were doing some weird justice thing on your own, but my justice, that's the right justice. No, no, I'm not going to stay to help you guys. I'm just here for a second to get in yeah, your way. Yeah, they're going to show them how to lead themselves and show them democracy, pretty much. Like what Wonder Woman said, lead by example. They're not going to just give them a list of rules of like, you can do this, you can't do that. They're just going to show them like, this is how we do things. You can do this if you'd like to. Wait, why are they there? They were returning the children that got sent away from the planet. And they just found them this issue? Yeah, this is a whole new story arc. So first, let yeah. me get this straight. They confronted God, then they went to Tartarus. Yes. And then, after taking on the entire Amazon community, they faced off against Spectre and Tartarus. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to other planets to rescue alien children and take over their civilizations for short periods of time before giving it back to the original? Well, they didn't know that's what they signed up for when they answered the distress beacon. Is this Star Trek? <laughs> what am I doing here? What's it does sound like a familiar League? trope, right? They're doing weird stuff. I don't know how to handle them having one-off adventures. I feel it's so campy. Ben Diddy is just too into the Hawkman stuff. Uh-huh. Because Hawkman has so many different lives across time and space, so... Venditti has been doing back and forth all these different alien races that Hawkman has been a part of. So I feel like that's where he's getting that intense creativity from. Okay, so you think he's getting, like, cabin fever with keeping them on Earth. He has to, like, get it yeah. open. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't blame him there. But, like, is this going to lead anywhere else? Or is this just going to be another little arc and then never talked about again? The past arcs he's done so far, they've lasted, like, two or three issues. And then they just moved on to the next thing. Like, if it's a TV show. Yeah. You know, it reminds me a like lot a of the Justice League TV show. Where it was, like, just part one, part two, and then that's it. And then it's not discussed again. Unless it needs to be later on in the season. I don't hate that concept. Like, I kind of like the fresh originality. It seems like everyone gets bogged down on, like, these giant graphic mm -hmm. novels these days. I mm -hmm. do like it to a certain point. I think it's just because I started reading all this stuff with Snyder's giant plan for, like, leading mm -hmm. into Year of the Villain after No yeah. Justice and all this stuff. So that's what I got used to. A lot of, like, these short story arcs does remind me of, like... 80s and 90s comics where it was very like oh two three like story arc issues and move on to the next and if there's a event it's going to be 
a whole continuity event so everybody's involved. It's not just like, oh, you have to read this whole thing so you can understand this little thing that happens. Right, and I kind of like that. Like, that was one of the things I liked about, like, Justice League America back in the day. It was very focused on, like, the team and, like, we're going to grow as a team. We're going to develop ourselves as people. But we're also going to have these campy, like, one-off adventures. As opposed to people like Catwoman who just stay on the (laughs) same story for years. And then, like, they just don't evolve as people. And so there was never a point in doing it that way. So I'm totally fine. It's with... almost over. <laughs> I it's can't almost do it anymore. Over. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm in control of my faculties. I'm just <laughs> saying maybe there's a better way to do it than focusing and hyperfixating on, I don't know, a dead father <laughs> or depression or a failed wedding or, you know, a politician in a small town in California. There's, like, a lot of different adventures to be had, and I feel like we've been stagnating the last few years. A Maybe Catwoman of... should take a trip to space. No, because Supergirl <laughs> did that, and it was so boring. Yeah, that was you-know-who's idea to send her there with Crypto. And then Jody Hauser just had to write it. Was Spendus's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Well, because it strayed away from his The Man of Steel title before he took on oh. the run. So... Superman, Action Comics, and Supergirl all are effects of after that whole introduction arc. That's why Supergirl and Crypto went into space. That's why Lois was living in Chicago in a hotel while Clark was still in Metropolis. So he made Jody Hauser write her to ship her off mm-hmm. so he could spotlight Clark. Right. And then... Oh. Kara was supposed to be in space trying to <laughs> find Rogozar or whatever the hell about Krypton. Right. Along with Crypto, because Clark told her to take Crypto because space gets lonely. And because he wanted everyone off of Earth. Right. He wants to be alone and broody, you know? Because at the same time, <laughs> Lois and John were in space with their grandfather. Yeah. Because he was trying to get everyone away because he wanted it all to be about Superman. Exactly. With no distractions whatsoever. It's so boring. Not even missing his family. Not to change it onto that really quickly, but I will say, like, I think that was one of the big signs about Bendis' downfall with his Superman run was just, like, the I want no ties for my character, so I'm going to shove every single tie and relationship he has off of Earth because I don't feel like dealing with but it. But also in the most inorganic way. In yeah. the most yeah. awkward and obvious way you could possibly do it. The only ties he wanted to Superman were ties to his own original characters. Yeah, yeah. and that was it. But other than that, I think that was big signs. Mm-hmm. So back, back to Justice League. Right, so like the whole thing about like Supergirl going off into space to have mini adventures, like that could have been so fun if they mm-hmm. had followed like the Venditti road. Instead, she kind of just was like laser focused on this one thing. She ran into like some people, like there was a Green Lantern kerfuffle, which was kind of fun, but mostly it just it, everything fizzled out constantly with her because she's so angry and angsty. Yeah, I don't know about that either because I don't know if that's supposed to be the same car from New 52 where she was always just aggressive and stuff. I didn't read the Supergirl title at all from Rebirth, so I have no idea. I just know that Bendis was taking charge of his whole Metropolis society of him, Greg Rucka, Matt Faction, and Jody Hauser. If Benditti's planning on going with the short arc route, that's definitely going to work because he's been doing a pretty good job with keeping these cute 
short stories and it keeps people entertained. Well, there are other writers and there are other stories that do work better with those longer narratives. Mm -hmm. You just have to be good at writing them. Well, that's the thing, too, because with this Hawkman run, like each issue focused on a different life. But it all circles back to just one long narrative exactly. that he's working with. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely one of the biggest positives, and it shows how good of a writer he is. And I think those are the, more of the stories that I'm kind of drawn to, mm. are those longer narratives. But if you drag a narrative out to the point of just pure insanity and wanting to smack your head against the ground because nothing is planning on going anywhere and it's been 16 issues and you're finally addressing the issues that is Superboy. <laughs> <laughs> and still not fully addressed. That is what pisses me off. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier this week, too, about Jeff Johns and his plan for Rebirth, how that didn't go the way it should have. Hmm. We were talking about, like, how certain creators own their own imprints. Oh, right. And how, like, they can have some control, but how if you leave, you might not have the same control or the same input as you would have if you were, say, the president of DC or, like, mm -hmm. one of the big higher-ups. You have you know, to remember that you're in a different position. You're not going to have the same authority as you once did. Right. So, like, the people who make these big plans, they seem to always go astray lately because the higher-ups do not care about your goals. And so, like, we have people say, I'm going to do this, and then go somewhere completely mm -hmm. different on their run, and it's usually nowhere. It's just spiraling in circles yeah. because they're tiny eddies in this big river. I don't think it was Flash because Flash was one of the ones that has been successful this entire well, we time, but it was something Heroes else. We were talking about Crisis because we were... Right. Because we were talking about... Um, oh, because Jeff Johns brought Wally back. Right. With Rebirth. Right, right. And then Tom King just trashed it. Yes. With Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> oh, yeah. remember how Wally's a murderer and is now in prison? Well, uh -huh. then he got broken out because of the Flash Forward miniseries, and that's how he, I didn't be read. he became infused with Dr. Manhattan's abilities and the Mobius chair. Which I didn't read. I told you about it. Which I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly read Heroes in Crisis because there was that potentially, like, Tim being one of the people that dies. The rest of it was just dumbest plot line ever, and now, because of that, Harley Booster is a thing yeah that yeah. was the worst part of all of this <laughs> but now harley and booster an item but like events like this they, they affect stupid things like they should be affecting bigger things and they're not and no one cares about them and i know we've talked about this multiple times yeah it keeps coming back to that huh? they're all doing all these different arcs that seem like they have no effect on the main universe because we feel like it's not leading anywhere yeah so it is probably better to keep things small if at all possible mm -hmm. like venditti is doing yeah because yeah. it's better to have like a series of finished stories that you had full control over rather than like a big epic thing that only gets half finished a big wedding that never gets done or like mm -hmm. what were some of the other things that we were promised like with a uh, doomsday clock the whole doomsday clock yeah. thing the biggest letdown was Doomsday Clock. Really? You think so? I was hyped to actually figure out why all this happened and the ripple effects of it, but no, we got nothing. They barely explained anything. It took too long to explain that by the time that it was done, the whole universe was matter. already established. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people were already, like, kind of set in this way. 
but we do have stories very similar to this Justice League that I thoroughly enjoy, which was the pre-boot Batman Superman, because most of that, like all of their little arcs, they were just all self-contained stories. One trade does not really affect the other. They're just totally separate. It's just the buddy cop adventures of Batman and Superman, and it's great. (laughs) And some arcs were longer than others, but for the most part, they're all self-contained, and the main Mm -hmm. focus is just the relationship between Superman and Batman. Certain stories are a little stronger than others, but it's still entertaining. Yeah, and with this one too, like I've, it took me to read this issue to realize I do appreciate the little story arcs because in the beginning I was getting annoyed because I'm like, why are they not connecting? Why is it so separated from where Snyder left off? Where is it finally going to match up? Like I have no idea. And now it's like I'm kind of appreciating it more, but I will still say that the first couple arcs, they could have been stronger. Mm -hmm. It was great setups, and it was a good storyline. I feel like it just could have been a little bit better. I still say you could have done a whole lot more with Tartarus being opened up and you're getting Spectre and God involved. You also could have did a lot more with the Eradicator coming back with an army of Daxamites to try (laughs) and colonize the Earth. He does close him up a little hastily. Mm-hmm. Like, that ending last time was so rushed. Also, if uh, your John Stewart isn't your strongest, then maybe consult someone to figure out <laughs> how to write him more appropriately. Or use one of the other couple of Green Lanterns. Except for Jessica, because Jessica is currently with Justice League Odyssey, and Hal is currently stuck in whatever Grant Morrison is doing. Well, look! One of our favorite Green Lanterns is available. Bring in Kyle Rayner. Bring back a reason for Aiden to join us. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think Kyle actually would be a good balance to the current team. If you didn't want to throw him in there. Like, you feel like you're not strong enough to write Jon Stewart. Like, you could easily just write him off and say, oh, oh, I called him. Yeah, and especially now, too, that, like, you can have Kyle be the comedic effect instead of Barry. Because right or now he's been kind of riding Barry as Wally. He has, and Barry's just like, I'm too nice, guys. I'm just a little angel. What was the one Dimple. that he said the last time? He's like, I'm too nice to be mad at you all for so long. I know. What was that? <sighs> I guess he's been watching the Flash TV show. Barry can roll. be a bit of the comedic guy, but you definitely do need someone with more of that comedic to bounce off of him instead of just letting him be the only comedian. Yeah, you can have like mm-hmm. a younger character in with the mix because it all feels like they're all sort of hitting each other, but it also feels like he hasn't found his voice for any of them yet. For the most part, it's kind of been John trying to butt heads with Batman about taking charge and everyone else is kind of like, guys, do we have to do this right now? Can we just take care of the situation and we can deal with this after? It does seem to be a theme, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, we read The Outsiders. (laughs) So. (laughs) (sighs) But, yeah, to wrap up Justice League, I liked it. I'm interested to see where this is going to go. I really do feel like it's a repeated trope of being on this new foreign land, being deemed a god. It's El Dorado. It's the road to El Dorado. They got brought to this land. They're deemed gods, and now they're being wanted to rule, and they don't want to rule. But, yeah, I gave it a 7 out of 10, and... Venditti's got me back on board. Alright, so those aren't the only comics we have this week. Joe, would you like to read out the other DC comics? Sure, so like I just said, Batman and the Outsiders number 14 came out this week. You also had the Batman's Grave number 8. 
You had Deceased Dead Planet number one, which is good. I really enjoy it. It's something that it's like, it's horrible to read, but you're enjoying it. I don't know how else to explain that. Also, Tom Taylor does an amazing job of writing Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance. Oh, yes. <laughs> they actually, okay, they keep Ollie's brattiness, but they make it likable because of how Dinah sees him and how she messes <laughs> with him. It's so cute. Oh, cute. And it, okay. it's why one of the reasons, like, when Tom Taylor said he had news to be announced, everyone was hoping he was taking over the Green Arrow run with Otto Schmidt as the artist. Aww. But it was just announced as John Constantine book. But... Anyway, so that is really good. I'm liking it. You also had Detective Comics 1023, which wasn't bad. Do you remember reading it? I don't. I didn't read it this time. Oh, that's right. I know. You also had Young Animal, Doom Patrol, Weight of the Worlds number seven. No, wait. I'm sorry. I have to talk about Detective. (laughs) Go for it. Two-Face takes the Batman armor that was used by Jim Gordon back when he was Batman for like that little bit of time. And he's trying to fight Batman. So Bruce knows like where the switch is in the back to deactivate it and he somehow gets a bazooka and he tells two-face as he's shooting the bazooka i'm trying to save you harvey and then you just see this giant explosion (laughs) what is this Tim Drake from Young Justice, like, where did this kid get a bazooka from? And even Two-Face is like, if this is you trying to save me, I don't want to see what it's like when you're trying to kill me. <laughs> you should see how I parent. <laughs> okay, I have a lot that's of signals really funny. For that one. <laughs> Bullet to the knee means it's harder. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the only part I wanted to say about Detective. Oh. That, that really stuck with me. And demonic Joker more set up for Joker War. I kind of feel like that's a good precedence that we're going to come back to <laughs> later. Just, oh my god, I'm trying to save you as I shoot you with this bazooka. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was Detective 1023. You also had Young Animal Doom Patrol Weight of the World number 7, which is finally being printed again. I only read one issue of that. You also had Flash 757, which is really good still. I'm gonna be so upset when Williamson gets off of it. You also have Green Lantern Season 2, Number 5 by Grant Morrison. Harley Quinn 74, I have no idea about the Booster Gold rumors. Hawkman 25 was awesome. Joker Harley Criminal Sanity Secret Files Number 1, I did not get to read that yet. Also had Justice League Odyssey Number 22, which was a filler. Lois Lane Number 12, the last <laughs> issue of Greg Rucka's run, and I am so glad Good it is over. Ugh. Superman 23. Superman basically having a therapy session with Dr. Fate, which I did not know was a child. I thought it was still Kent Nelson. It's his apprentice became Dr. Fate. That makes sense. He's in the Hall of Justice, and he's like, the doctor will see you now. And then Superman goes with them, and he's like... Did you like that? I was trying to make a cool entrance. And he's like, you nailed it, buddy. Oh, thanks. Okay, he's writing him poorly. He's writing him like every other teenager he writes. He's Ken Nelson's apprentice. This kid is very smart. He was able to talk to elemental god beings very eloquently, and Bendis makes him sound like he's an idiot. Yep. And he's given Superman a therapy session about just a regular checkup because the Justice League apparently doesn't believe that he's right in the head because he just came out with his secret identity. 
<laughs> so they wanted him to get a checkup from Dr. Fate, which apparently he does once a year anyway. So weird. So apparently also Lois was urging this. So Dr. Fate starts asking him a bunch of these questions like, do you eat? Do you sleep? Sorry I asked these questions because I was a pre-med student before I took up the helmet. And he asks him how he felt about John being kidnapped by his father and then losing these years of your son's life because he comes back as a teenager and then you lose him again because he goes to the 31st century. And Clark basically just keeps saying that I have to be okay with it. He's asking the questions that we've been asking for so and long. And he's just like, what I hate ah, so much answer. about this because it's just a smack in the face. It's like, I hear you and I don't care. Yeah. Especially because he's telling Clark, he's like, well, you know, I wanted my son to go because I wanted him to have these experiences that I should have had as a child. Like, first, no, you didn't. You were completely against it until there was an appropriate time to cut the scene to have you say goodbye to your son because your wife wanted your son to go. You were never on board with this. Go read the actual arc. Like, you freaking go idiot. Read- all the comics beforehand that have to do with Jor-El, like... Literally. And they had the audacity to tag the Oz effect instead of Bendis's own work to prove all these things as false. Ugh. I hated it. I hated it so much. Anyway, that came out. Don't read it. Also, yeah. go back to Lois Lane. Greg Greca is finally off, and I just want to talk about how he treats women. <laughs> Quickly, before he's gone. You go for it. Okay, so how about how when Lois walks into a room, everything goes silent. (laughs) And... Oh, gosh. Perry's like, the only people who have that effect on the office are you and Wonder Woman. And she says, what? That's only because people are afraid of strong women. (laughs) With the hair flipping everything. And then she proceeds to misspell brutal by putting two O's in it. Yeah. Perry's reading her article. He's like, there's no O in especially not two consecutive O's. And she's like, there isn't? You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Whatever you say with a smirk. She's trying to show that she knows what she's all about because then she's talking to Clark. And she's like, did you read my article? What am I asking? Of course you read it. You heard Perry talking about a super hearing. What'd you think of it? I think you misspell a lot of these words on purpose. That's what I think, Lois. Lois, you're a freaking weirdo. But, <laughs> but Perry says, I'm a showstopper. I walk into the room and men shut up because they're in the presence of a powerful woman. <laughs> a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. Yeah, they, he does this weird thing where he's just like... Oh, yes, women. Women are so wonderful. But then also, it doesn't matter. They're stupider than men. They're much stupider, but they're better in so many ways. There was also, just for some reason, important to show Renee Montoya kissing her girlfriend, pausing, looking at each other, getting closer, and then focusing on the fact that Montoya is about to use her tongue. They close-upped on their tongues. (laughs) Why? It's so creepy, and it didn't... There was no point to it. What is this, porn? It's Rucka's last goodbye. (laughs) Just let him have this, okay? No, but it's just... There's a lot of, like, lip service to women in these Lois Lane books that feels really... We're like tongue service. (laughs) Wow, I missed that. I I hate you for getting that in first. And she said she's not as kinky as us. I mean... She got me. I couldn't pass it up. You've been bamboozled. 
Well, just call me Red Hood. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. <sighs> well, I'm used. That's a showstopper. I'm done talking about okay. those things. So I can't top that. We had... <laughs> We had Wonder Woman 758, which I'm not going to spoil because V hasn't read it yet, but it was a really good end to Steve Orlando's run. It's something that he's been building up to, and I'm still conflicted about how I feel about the end of it. Is it about the embassy? Yeah. Because I was on Twitter. Oh. It was spoiled for me already. Well, there you have it. (laughs) Amazon opened itself up to the world, and they're going to be sharing their ways with the rest of the world now, instead of just staying secluded. Which ways are they going to share, though? We don't know yet. Hmm. If Greg Rucka has a say in it. I mean, we just escaped <laughs> from their island on... Justice League? And Justice League, and they were not really ready to come to terms with modern society. No, but then it ended with a bunch of reporters on the island, man and female. It's so weird. Ah, man! Kill him! And Wonder Woman's like, yeah, if they see me with you men, they're going to kill me too. I'm like, wow. That's pretty intense. That does not seem like they're ready to negotiate with male ambassadors yet. No. But, yeah, so we had that, and then we had the Young Justice number 16, which I actually didn't hate, surprisingly enough. I mean, it's still very confusing, and it's still more like just beating around the bush about whatever happened to Bart and Connor, but it wasn't terrible. It was more focused on what happened to Bart. So I'm like, okay. Also, there was a co-writer, wasn't there? Yeah, David Walker, who name sounds familiar, but I'm not exactly sure. I feel like he was on Aquaman, but I'm not sure. It just begs the question, why was there a co-writer? Was it because he didn't have enough time to write the story? Or is it kind of like a passing of the torch, like what Tinian did to Ram V in Justice League Dark? Mm. We don't know. But yeah, that was the DC Comics out this week. Alright, so V, can you read out the other Marvel comics that we had this week? <laughs> My list Short says little list. Marvelous Muses Other Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number 8, Doctor Strange number 5, Ghost Rider number 7, Marvel's X number 4, Strange Academy number two, X Force ten, and of course X Men God Loves Man Kills Extended Cut number one. So we also have some comic news. Joe, I know you kind of jumped on this. If you want to go ahead and talk about the news that we have. To talk a little bit more about CW, Batwoman season two finally casted their lead actress Javicia Leslie for the role of Ryan Wilder. She is a German actress who first appeared as a regular in the show God Friended Me, which got canceled due to COVID-19. And she's also appeared in Always a Bridesmaid and The Family Business and a couple other things. I've never heard of her before. She's cute, though. Yeah, she's cute. I'm curious to hear about what her character is going to do and how it's going to take on the mantle of Batwoman. And Ruby Rose commented on her Instagram saying that she is so glad to have the first black actress to portray Batwoman in season two. And she's excited to see where the show takes it as she is comfortably away from CW. Well, the way they described her character, too, they're like... 
She's quirky and a rule breaker, yeah. but also a disciplined fighter, but also, I think she's a YouTuber? A little fallible, and something about saving a kitty, but also slice your throat at the same time. And she lives out of her van. Like, massive contradiction. Yeah. Yeah. The trope of Mary Sue goes way further back, but she sounds just like a Mary Sue character. She kind of sounds like a committee character to me. It, she sounds like she was made in a boardroom, and everyone got an input, and she is yeah, not going to make Yeah, she's just everything that they were hoping for, because she's also mentioned how, as a bisexual, she's proud to be playing this lesbian character in this show as part of the LGBTQ community, and the director of the series said that she did not want to have, what what was it called? Like, cutting the lesbians out of the show oh, or something? Oh, killing your gays. Yeah, killing the gays. She, so they're going to make her just disappear. Yeah. Kate Kane is not dying because she said in an interview she's not about that killing the gays trope. Batwoman is anything but that. Who knows? I'm not going to see because I'm not going to watch the show. If Batwoman is gone, she's functionally dead. But they're like, no, no, we're not going to tell you how she died. So we technically didn't kill a gay. We just just threw her into the void. And uh, you get to just say goodbye to her in your own way. (laughs) Which I feel like is a pretty big loophole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it'll get explained in their fandom thing that's going out in August, along with the clip for the Superman Lois TV show. Because um, apparently season two's coming out in January. Goodness. Oh, wow. That's late. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing a bunch of CW productions have gotten pushed back this year because of Yeah, the just because of the whole so. pandemic thing. Because Superman mm-hmm. Lois is coming out in January as well. Oh, I, I can't wait for the Superman and Lois You series. can tell me how like, that I, goes. I, I'm not watching that either. I, She's like boycotting uh, it. <laughs> oh, really? I'm really not a fan of whatever her name is as Lois Lane, and I'm oh. not a fan of how they were portraying... I spoke about this before in a past episode. Yeah. Just the way they're portraying the show, because the CW looks like it's trying to make this kind of the new era by having, like, this dark background for Metropolis. <sighs> oh, I haven't seen anything to do with production. It's I was mostly being Superman like, oh, and look. Lois with serious faces with a red sky over a dark Metropolis. I'm going to give it one season like I did with Batwoman. I was like, I'm going to watch it and figure out kind of like what the whole deal is with this. But my main reason is because Tyler Hawkins part of it because... I really loved him as Clark. I would have liked to see more of him as Superman. I feel like the costume's a little bit ridiculous with the giant clunky belt, but that's about it. But I that's really CW. don't like her as Lois. I mean, either. Honestly, like when she was in Grimm, no. she basically plays the Lois Lane to the main character Superman like she's has that role it's the not quite incapable damsel in distress where she's like yeah I'm your girlfriend and you're doing this dangerous super powered thing but I'm a character too damn it and (laughs) but not really but the way she portrayed this character and her name is Juliet and she's supposed to be this soft sort of sweet person but she always had this pinched face and she always sounded like she was scolding him like constantly Mm. She even has amnesia at some point. She still sounds like she's scolding him. And so uh, I don't really like her for this. I'm not the biggest fan of her. I prefer Lois from... That's what I was going to just say. Like, I'm too spoiled from Erica Durant. Yeah, she's so great. But we'll see also with whoever is writing uh, Superman and Lois, because the writing could also change kind of how they're portrayed as well, because they've mostly been portrayed in crossover events, and yeah. or a Supergirl. And probably more taken over by Supergirl writers. 
Who knows? They might no get a great character director. Maybe this will be the dark yeah. horse for CW. It could. I mean... That, that's why I'm going to give it a chance, and if I totally hate it, then I'm going to jump ship. I'll <laughs> probably catch up with the crisis event first, because I'm, no, I'm like yeah. a season and a half behind and everything, because I've just been yeah, swamped but... with everything else. <laughs> I will let you know how it is going, and if it is safe enough for you to put your foot into the pool. I'm already dealing with a bad Superman writer on so many fronts, I don't need to add a show to my problems. But, so I just have one more bit of DC news. Young Justice Season 4, not the comic, the TV show, the animated TV show, is being labeled Phantoms and possibly coming out in 2022 right now because of the pandemic. It was supposed to come out in 2021. So it just got pushed back a whole year, possibly. Nothing's confirmed yet. They're possibly talk about it at this fandom thing in August. So we'll see. Also, Dark Horse uh, comic news, but we got the release date for season two of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Oh my goodness! And that is going. Did you see the new trailer? That's July thirty first. Oh yeah. I'm 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 really pumped for it. It has a lot going for it, but it also has some flaws. I think if they can bulk up their characters in the second season, and they have a lot to work from because the comics are pretty rich in character development. Oh, yeah. So, like, if they can bulk up their characters a bit, I think it'll be really interesting. Mm-hmm. No, Dreadway is still working with the production team. Like, he yes. is credited on there. So it's not like, oh, they're taking bits and pieces of his story and trying to make something out of it. And I kind of love how they've adapted it in a different direction. I'm kind of mad at him because I know that it's pushing back the fourth volume of of Umbrella Academy. Because he was saying, don't worry, I'm working on it. I just got to finish up with this, you know, season. And I'm like, Uh... you get back in there. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you were saying the story was better than the show. The story's better than the show. But it's because of the villains. The villains Mm -hmm. are quirky as hell. I need to actually sit down and read it. You'll love it. It's so good. <laughs> so also some Marvel news. It's not good news. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. I mean, depends on who you're depends talking to. Depends on who you're talking to, but in this climate, um, <laughs> Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda series got canceled, yeah. as well as the Empire tie-in. Yeah, this week's issue number eight is the last issue, according to Jim Zub, who is the writer on the series. The tie-in for Empire was supposed to be a three-issue limited, which was supposed to focus on the effects of the attack of the Korean Scroll Empire on Wakanda. But I guess Marvel decided it wasn't really that important because it just was more of a play on for the series itself. Like, I mean, it makes sense to me because Wakanda's sort of an isolated yeah. place. How can it tie into the greater scope of things? Mm-hmm. It's sort of a stretch. Unless they pull a Themyscira and open up to the world as well. I'm not even sure I'm on board with DC doing that. I don't know so either. That's what I was saying. Like, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I just say, like, keep Wakanda as it is, because as soon as you tell Lois Lane your secret identity, there's no going back. You know what I'm saying? You can't put that genie back in the bottle. <laughs> Don't argue. You know I'm right. No, I, I, no, it's okay. Seems like it wasn't a good series, unfortunately. Apparently it was like a spinoff from, like, the Avengers run. In Marvel's defense, if a series is potentially tanking in sales to enough to cancel it, that's pretty serious. And I know the pandemic definitely probably affected it as well. That's what it said in the article, that first it was postponed just like all the other Marvel titles, and then Marvel just went ahead and canceled it entirely. Yeah, because if you look at like the list of Marvel titles coming out weekly, 
it's about half of what DC is publishing. Yeah, so. DC's kind of back up to regular sizes now. Mm-hmm. All right. Next week's DC Comics? Yes, next week's comics. Maybe you don't mind reading DC's out for next week? Sure thing. We are going to get Aquaman 61, Catwoman number 23, Daphne Byrne 6, which is, of course, one of our black labels, Dark Knight Death Metal number 2, Justice League 49, Metal Men number 8, and Nightwing 72, also Strange Adventures number 3, and shut your ears, Joe, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 12, and then Teen Titans, 43. It's really concerning, too, that like a lot of these monthly titles, or used to be monthly titles, became bi-weekly. Oh. Like, Nightwing, Aquaman, they were all monthly titles, and then Justice League was bi-weekly, but now we just got 48, and we're getting 49 next week. It could be that they're rushing towards the end of something, and mm. the stories are already written, so they're like, we might as well just get yeah. them out. Probably. Joe, would you like to read out Marvel's comics for sure. next week? Sure. We got Amazing Spider-Man number 44, we got Avengers 34, Captain Marvel number 17, Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown number 3, Empire number 1. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We have oh. Fantastic Four number 21. They're releasing their free comic book day 2020 <laughs> X-Men number one, which was supposed to come out back on May the 4th. And we have giant size X-Men Magneto number one. Hopefully it's not as silent as the Emma Frost and Jean Grey one that came out. You also have Guardians of the Galaxy number four, Immortal Hulk number 35, Spider-Woman number two, Strike Force number eight, Venom number 26, and they are getting the mutants on this 2020 train with 2020 I Wolverine number one. <laughs> I Wolverine. Jeez. That is it for this week's episode of the Court of Alex podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest podcast episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. And with that, bye! Take care!